0: Welcome in, everybody, to a TGIF edition of Texas All-Access. Thank God it's football. Oh, wait, no, thank God it's Friday. Wait. Thank God it's football Friday. Ah, either way, it is Texas All-Access. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, alongside the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer. Mark, how are you, my friend? Johnny, I'm doing great. I'm getting ready to
1: head out to the NFL meetings in <gasps> Palm Beach. That's right yeah and it's called the nfl meetings i'm going to go over this with people from time to time people call it the owners meetings but that's not (laughs) the name of this it's the nfl annual meet it might be just the meeting like one singular meeting because what they do is they have the gms and the coaches and the competition committee you know the owners have a lot of meetings throughout the year yeah this is the kickoff meeting of the year and uh We'll have plenty of stuff, including Nick Casario, Lovey Smith, and others coming up next week from South Florida. Somebody's got to do it, Johnny. I'm going to make the trip along with Tyler <laughs> Sudarth to cover the event
0: for the Texans. Yes, some somebody's got to do it. Like I've said, I get the Senior Bowl, markets the meeting. <laughs> that's, kind of, that's how it works. I get Rainy Mobile and markets West Home. Okay. <laughs> I mean, no, I, I, I love going to the senior bowl. It's going to be a blast. I, you know, Mark, uh, big goings on today. I don't want to spend too much time on this because I don't know what really more there is to add, but Sean Watson met with the media for the first time in a while, uh, in Cleveland. They announced uh, it today. It was a, one of the longest pressures I've ever seen. Mark, I don't know if there's anything from that, uh, that, uh, that you took out of it, but I, I don't know. I, I just know I listened to it. I was curious. And when it was done, like, okay, time to move on for everybody at that point. Look, I I
1: understand people who complain about those who seemingly root against him. I understand rooting against him because of what happened here. And he wanted to go and everything. I understand that. I also understand, hey, why did this have to happen? I understand that because he played so well here for a while. Uh, But look, like we've said many times, Johnny, the marriage broke up. It had to break up. It is what it is. And you move on. The Texans got a good haul for him. Uh, I think that, the Texans are set up pretty well. Things have to break right. They have to handle it right. They have to handle the picks right. Davis Mills has to develop. There might be other options there as well. But I think one thing that could really make this work out would be Davis Mills continuing to ascend in his second year, playing much better than the first year, continuing the trend that he showed in the last five games. And let's win more games here and yeah. let's see where that takes the Houston Texans. That's what you should focus on, but I get it. There's going to be a lot of focus on Watson and everything else. And it's very serious with the 22 lawsuits and we'll see what happens there. And look, obviously people are going to follow it. Mm -hmm. it was a monumental event here in this city with the departure of a franchise quarterback. I totally get it. But look, basically this whole thing was put on hold for a year because of the suits, you know, they might've had a deal done. They would have had a deal done uh, Mm -hmm. if all parties agreed to it. Prior to last year's draft, they had to wait, but maybe it ends up working out well for the Texans. More picks this year and in the coming years, and you went for Davis Mills. Johnny, can you imagine if the Texans were able to make the deal before last year's draft? Let's say they draft a different quarterback, Mac Jones. Maybe Mac Jones works out. Maybe he does not here. Maybe it works out serendipitously that you got Mills after all, and he turns out to be the right guy of all the guys who were available last year. I don't know if that's going to be the case ultimately three, four years down the line, but let's watch and wait and see.
0: No doubt. And I've said this, I've said this a million times. And I'm very clear. When I say this, I am not putting face the franchise on Davis mills, not sending him to Canton as uh, a former colleague of ours uh, used to say, but man, what if it works out? What if it works out? So we'll, we'll let it play out and, and see where it goes. But Cleveland uh, Cleveland's got themselves a quarterback have no idea what the NFL is going to do as far as suspension goes. But as I listened to the press conference, I thought, okay, he's a Cleveland Brown. And here in Houston, we can kind of move forward and look, we we got our own issues in a different way. Mm -hmm. And again, you said it, make sure emphasize it. Um, The victims in this situation don't should not be just pushed aside as all of us football guys and football people argue the merits of Deshaun Watson going to Cleveland. And I don't think on this show, you or I have ever, you and I have ever not given consideration to the 22 women that have filed suit against Deshaun Watson. I don't think we ever, ever have, but we are not legal experts. Um, If anything, we are experts in the game of football. So that's the part of it that we talk about, but it's time to move on. And like you said, with the picks, that gives you an enhanced 11-player draft in 2022. And I have been waiting for this day. Mark it down. <laughs> March 25th every year. Well, it's not March 25th every year. But it's around this time that Mark Vandermeer does the Vander Vandermock. Now, the last couple of years, you have... Not had to do as much work. You had right. eight picks. You had eight picks last year that turned mm-hmm. into five. And you hit majorly on a pick with Roy Lopez. That was one of your Vandermach picks in Vandermach yes! 2.0, the final one, the one that really counts. But Vandermach 1.0 is due to hit the newsstands. And <laughs> by hitting the newsstands, I mean it'll be online That's uh, your on the interwebs. Store. Yeah, grocery store. Uh in the interwebs. You know, the other day I picked up a People Magazine for like the first time in a couple of years. I didn't buy oh, it. I've seen it one recently. I've yeah. seen one recently. Crazy. Yeah. Anyways, point being, VanderMock 1.0 is out. And the reason I love this day is because I get to flip the tables. I get to grade your VanderMock, and you've got plenty of picks this year. Yep. So you got opportunities to do really well. A couple A pluses, you got opportunities. So maybe not. I have not seen this. That's the okay. thing. You always tell me the Vanderbach is going to be posted. I make a point not to see it so I can have a visceral reaction to it when you tell me what the Texans are doing at each pick. So let's start where the Texans are at number three. Yep. Mark Vander okay. selects for the Texans. All right. Well, the Jags already took Evan Neal.
1: All right. Okay. All right. Or some offensive lineman. Okay. Uh, Michigan state law requires that Dan Campbell <laughs> takes Aiden Hutchinson. Okay? okay. All right. That is, that is a state law in Michigan that you must take him. Okay. So there's no other option for them. So here you are at three and I'm going to take, and I will phrase this the way Lynn Manuel Miranda would safety Kyle Hamilton. So I'm going to do that. Number three, overall safety from Notre Dame, Kyle Hamilton, who will be a difference maker. And as I point out, you're going to hear that term a lot this time of year.
0: Yes, Thoughts? he's number one in the Harris 100. I, every mock that I see that goes Hutchinson, Hamilton, one and two. It just makes me oh, I cringe. Yep. But I think Hutchinson will be one of the two picks. I think he's number one. But I think Evan Neal makes a lot of sense because he can play guard. They can do the Laramie Tunsil thing. When Laramie got to Miami, so this million times, Brandon Albert was that left tackle. He had one more year left on his contract, I believe. Either way, Miami moved him. Laramie went into guard. When Albert was moved, Laramie bumped out the left tackle and away you go. They can do that with Evan Neal. Decide what they want to see with Cam Robinson. If it doesn't work, bump Cam out of there after two uh, franchise tags and then Evan Neal takes over. I don't think it's a, bad pos- I don't, it's a bad thought. And Alliance can use a playmaker and an Ann Arbor homeboy via Cy Fair High School because his dad, Chris Hutchinson, went to Cy Fair, then went to Michigan, and then stayed up there for graduate school uh, and then stayed there uh, for you know, with his family, and away we go. Now, Kyle Hamilton, number three, I think it's a no-brainer. Let's get to 13. This is the okay. one that I'm interested in at number right. 13. Not that I was at three, because that's obviously a higher pick, but number 13, where are you going with this pick? I'm going to read directly from
1: my article on the Vandermach 1.0 pick 13. Anybody from Georgia. (laughs) All right. When you're looking to take a big leap forward. Anybody from Georgia? Georgia's the way to go. You want run stuffers? Anybody from Georgia? You want disruptors at or near the line of scrimmage? Anybody from Georgia? Uh-huh. No brainer pick. If I have to say a name, I'll say Jordan Davis. He okay. might be the anybody from Georgia guy available here. That's obviously anybody on defense from Georgia.
0: Well, I, listen, I wouldn't mind Samir White, Zeus White, or James Cook. I wouldn't mm-hmm. even mind George Pickens at wide receiver. Wouldn't mind that crazy athletic. Jamari, look, they got players on both sides of the ball. They said 14 guys at the combine. They're all getting drafted. I think probably 10 of them, 10 or 11, uh, day one, day two. There'll be a few that, that get into day three, but there aren't going to be many outside the top four rounds. That's how good Georgia was this year. Uh, Jordan Davis, you can go that. I mean, look, Devontae Wyatt at 13 is a little a little high, but i I do it. I, I love Devontae Wyatt. I've I loved watching him at the senior bowl. Just so athletic, given 315 pounds, but obviously Jordan Davis is such a playmaker. But Vontae Wyatt, I think, would fit right in with what Lovey Smith wants to do on defense. So third overall, Kyle Hamilton. 13th, you said anybody from Georgia, we'll just mm-hmm. say Jordan Davis. We'll go with that. 6'6", okay. 341 from out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Absolute animal. And if he maintains that weight at 340, 345, I think he is going to be a special player. Let's get to the second round pick number 37, and this gets kind of interesting. Let's see where you go with this.
1: All right, I need firepower on offense. I know I need help all over the place, a lot of different areas, but I need firepower on offense, and I'm going to make it 264 receivers when I take Christian Watson from North Dakota State. And obviously, coming from Carson Wentz's alma mater, that might not be good, actually. But Christian <laughs> Watson runs a sub four four. He's 6'4". You have him and Nico. And obviously, you still have the OG and Brandon Cooks, the OG at this point. So uh, this is going to be pretty cool, along with the other guys. Let's see how they all marinate and develop.
0: Mark, I love Christian Watson. You hit it. He's from Plant High School in Tampa, Florida. And he went to NDSU, completely overshadowed. In high school, for whatever reason, they got a ton of players that come out of the Tampa area, whether it's uh, Sefner Armwood or whether it's Plant. He gets to NDSU, wins the national championship. He was Trey Lance's guy in 2019. He is a bona fide player. Uh, Mark, the more that I think about this, and I don't remember where exactly I put him in the Harris 100. I would have to say that he is number 45, and I know that I'm low. I know that I'm low because I think Christian Watson's going to end up in the first round. Wow. I think he's going to end up going in the first round. I think teams are going to come to their senses and go, wait a second, this dude's 6'4, 205, oh, and he ran into 4'3 range. This dude is stupid athletic. I mean, he's just ridiculous. And his change of direction for a guy that that large, I mean, 38 and a half inch vert, 11 4 broad jump, four-three, six official at the combine. And can play, he's not just a fast guy. I mean, he can play. I loved watching him at the senior bowl. Mark, I love pick number 37. All right. Next is 68, I believe. Yep, 68. And I
2: might
1: be able to get him at 80 as well. I don't know how you're gonna feel about this one. This is the shakiest one I have hmm. as far as my fear of your opinion of this one. But <laughs> I drafted a did tall you draft receiver. A kicker? No, I did not draft a kicker in the third round, but at six feet, 195, and with tremendous speed, I took
0: Alante Taylor, cornerback Ooh. from Tennessee. I like Alante Taylor. I really do. Um, that guy is well, here's the question. There are a lot of people who think he's gonna be a safety. Okay, which I would be okay with. But if you're gonna play Kyle Hamilton there, maybe safety not the the right mix. Now, for us, I I think he can play corner. I think he's a corner. I, I do. I, I know some people want to put him at safety. I really like him. I like his agility. I like his length. I think he's very competitive for the football. Alante Taylor at 68. A little, I think it's a little rich, but it's not that much. I think Elante Taylor, I've got him in, in the Harris 100. at. I believe, uh, where do I have him? I'm going down. I'm going down. I was looking and I didn't see him
1: right away and I got yeah, scared. I so I just left
0: further down. I don't know. I have, I have to look to see where I have him. I know. I I know that I like him. I'd be surprised that if I don't either way, if he's not in, he's not in the Harris 100, he is shortly there out of it. Um, I could, I could see it at 68. I do think it's a little bit of a reach, but not that much. I think that dude can absolutely play. It's just a question of how teams are going to look at him and whether they see a corner or whether they see a, a safety. And I think that's going to be the determining factor for him, and also if you draft Kyle Hamilton early, and you think he's a safety, then you're probably not going to go that direction. Uh, but I think Alante Taylor can absolutely play for sure. All right, pick number sixty-eight, Alante Taylor, corner/safety out of Tennessee, like his prospects. Mark, pick number eighty is
1: okay. Well, I may might be able to flip these two in the third round and take Taylor at eighty and take this guy at sixty-eight, but. In any case, I want him right here, and I mentioned it's a state law that Dan Campbell, state law in Michigan, that Dan Campbell has to take Hutchinson, number two overall. It's a federal law in every draft ever that the Houston Texans have to grab a tight end. So we're going to do it right here, and we're going to take Jeremy Ruckert from Ohio State, who can knock the snot out of people and catch the football. He's 250-plus. He's just what you need in this Pep Hamilton offense, and I really like what he's going to be able to produce with Davis Mills on the field and the other pass catchers.
0: Yeah, I like, I like Rucker. I think he is a – there are three different tight ends. We kind of learned this uh, with Bill O'Brien. Look at – there's the F tight end who is kind of – has wide receiver tendencies, which is kind of like Brevin. Then you've got your Y tight end. That's to put your hand in the dirt, dude, and mash people. And then you got got your, your merging of the two, the middle. They call it the U tight end. I think Rucker could be the U. I think he could play with his hand in the dirt as a Y, and just mash people if you need him to. But I think he has got better, better than average pass receiving skills. It's just the fact that he was alongside for most of his career. I mean, look at the the four wide receivers that he played next to in 2020 were well, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, and also um, Jackson Smith and Jigbo. And then last year, Jameson Williams transferred to Ohio State. And those three guys, those receivers are catching all the balls. So I think Ruckert's got a lot of pass, rec- uh, pass receiving ability that just hasn't been tapped into yet. But he is a competitor. He's got great size. Love his agility for a guy that size. Uh, I think Ruckert uh, can play. I I think you're probably right. I think 80 is about where he goes. Uh, I got him at 86. So I think Ruckert is is the right fit at number 80. I like what you've done. And you, you said it. Tight end, uh, the Texans are going to draft the tight end, but I think that's the kind mm-hmm. of tight end that they need. This, I think a U tight end, it kind of bridges the gap between being a receiving tight end like Brevin, hand mm-hmm. in the dirt guy like uh, Anthony Auclair typically is used. I think Ruckert fits right in the middle of that. That's going to be interesting. Okay, now we get to the fourth round of Texans have back-to-back picks. My yep. like, gut tells me mm-hmm. that one of these picks is going to get traded on draft day. I don't know what you did with them, but 107-108. We can do them together if you want. Hit me with both of them, and we'll go that way.
1: Okay, I didn't do trades until after these two. I went with these two as selections, and at 107, he drops to day three, and I grab him right here. I need help in the running game, so Hassan Haskins is my man, Right here, 1,237 yards, 6'1", 220, 4.9 per carry, 20 touchdowns. I rest my case. He's going to help your running game.
0: Mark, when we were at the combine, the last day we left, the running backs were lifting, and Hassan Haskins lifted. He bench-pressed 27 times. He is an absolute animal, and he – Runs the ball like a linebacker, which makes sense because he was a linebacker. There are at least three guys in this draft. Hassan Haskins from Michigan, Tyler Algier from BYU, and Quan White from out of South Carolina. That were all linebackers. Oh, four. Abram Smith, Baylor. Four guys that I know of the top of my head that were linebackers at one point. And then I right, go over to running back. And then they did. And Hassan Haskins is – he's a he's an agile moose. I mean, he's just a man. And I love how physical he is. I think that would set a tone. I, I love him. I mean, it's a pass protector. My goodness, he's a hammer. So, Hassan Haskins, a second pick in the fourth round, I think is tremendous value. I've got him at number 99 in the Harris 100, six, one and 3 quarters, almost 230 pounds, and put up 27 reps. Oh, and by the way, our special teams got to be good, right? Well, yeah, boom. This guy's a, a core four special teamer from day one. All, right,
1: All right. 108. 108. I'm going to the O-line here. And if you ask, does he play guard or tackle? You say, yes, probably more of a tackle. But who knows? He blocks out the sun at 6'8 plus. Daniel Faalele Ooh. from Minnesota. And that's why it's so cold there because it's like <laughs> an eclipse. The sun can't get to the ground. And I just want to have to say that name every once in a while on the air. So I'm picking him at 108.
0: Yeah, him making good blocks, not for holding penalties or anything like that. I am probably a little bit lower on Falele than than some others. And some of it had to do with the fact that seeing him at the Senior Bowl, I just, boy, his game looks still raw. Now, he is raw. His story is amazing. He came over from Australia when Jordan Mailata came over for the IPP program. Jordan Mylotta came over, got in the international pathway program. And at the same time, and he was at, and they were doing that at the IMG. At the same time, there's an Australian kid that came over named Daniel Falele for the high school at IMG. He was like 415 pounds and could move. He was freaky. He went to uh, Minnesota, 400 pounds, jumped in at right tackle, been a rugby player, learned how to play football at IMG, took it to Minnesota. I feel like he should be at that size, a little bit more physical than he is. He just sort of swallows people. He doesn't just hammer, drive guys into the dirt, you know, like a guy like Tyler Smith does from Tulsa and a few others in this draft, you know, Ike Equanu. But Falele might be the largest human being I've seen on a football field. I mean, my goodness, he is massive. I mean, you could say it and you hear it six eight, six nine, three eighty. Mark, he slimmed down to three eighty. He slimmed down. (laughs) So if Falele is there at 108, I think it's a very smart pick. You add good, big, physical, thick, young players with some agility and quickness like he's got for his size, I think it's pretty good. Okay, give me your best pick over the next. What do you got going on with the next few rounds? You can't get all of them.
1: I can't get to all of them, but I only have two more picks because of trades. Nick moves up into round five. He trades two sixths and an Academy gift card. So Academy Sports and Outdoors gift card and two sixth round selections to move up and take the transfer from UT who went to USC. Another running back Ah, here, Keontae Ingram, who... Can do some things, Johnny, 5.8 yards per carry, 911 yards. He can catch the ball. I want Haskins and he to put a jolt into this running game. And in round six, I take my seventh and I move up to a better spot. I also throw some Whataburger into the deal. And I'm going to take a quarterback with my last pick in this draft. And that would be Carson Strong from Nevada which is the proper way to pronounce it according to the locals, Nevada, 70% completion rate. I know he didn't look good at the senior bowl. At least I read that, but he looked good in college with 70% completions and 36 TDs. I'm going to take him here and develop him as an insurance policy for Davis.
0: Interesting. You say that because I felt the same way at the senior bowl. Like I didn't feel like it came together and it, it really forced me to go back and watch about four or five games of his. When I got home, I think he can play. I just, think he's still pretty raw and he's well it's round six hey, right right it's round six and he's mobile he can move uh, I'll be interested to see where he goes I've got him a, a little bit higher grade I think he's going to end up in early day three as opposed to a little bit later in day three just because teams are you know wanting to have a quarterback a little bit more I just was hoping that you were going to say for Brown University EJ Perry but you just didn't do it. You just didn't do it. I got two more of these. At least one. I know, but I like the I like the way you moved uh, up and up and down the board. Um, who? Oh, you, uh, Kathy Ingram. You know, Ingram is a guy that gets lost in the shuffle here. He went at Texas. The reason he, he got bounced essentially from being a starter was because Texas went out and recruited the best running back in the country. One of the best I've seen is Bijan Robinson, and Ingram was like, right. oh, "I'm I'm going to go out." And a few Texas coaches went to USC. And he's like, hey, I'm going to go check this out. I watched him at USC and thought, man, wow. I I get what happened at Texas. This guy can play. And I think getting him in the fifth round, Keathe Ingram, Hassan Haskins, would be a fantastic duo. And I've said this about these running backs, Mark, in this draft. These running backs from day two and beyond. As much as I love Brees Hall and Kenny Walker and Isaiah Spiller, I think you can get Hassan Haskins. You can get Damian Pierce. You can get Keontae Ingram. You can get a ton of these different running backs on day two, day three, Tyler Algier from BYU, and they're going to give you great value. They're going to give you tremendous value. I'm not going to say it's going to be the same as Kenny Walker, Brees Hall, but it's going to be right in that ballpark. So um, I, I just think there are so many different options at running back that I'm going to be very, very curious to see what the Texans are able to do with that position, maybe late day two, early day three but I like your Hassan Haskins and Keontae Ingram. Nice job. I'm going to give it a B plus because I just wanted more <laughs> picks on day three, but I understand uh, how it works. So Mark. I no want read it. <laughs> I know. Go to HoustonTexas.com. Go check it out. It's awesome stuff. Mark does it every year. Uh, there will be a Vandermach 2.0, maybe a 3.0. We'll see. But at least 1.0 Vandermach out at HoustonTexas.com or get the app. And if you get the app, you can read that and check out the Harris 100 at the same time. Mark, appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Johnny. All right, coming up next, we're going to learn a little bit more about Mark's number 13 overall pick, Jordan Davis, next. Right here in Texans All-Access. Right here in Texans All-Access. Right here in Texans All-Access. Right here in Texans. Man, what a beautiful night this is, and I'm inside talking football. Got no problems with it. I actually opened the window. It's beautiful outside. Absolutely beautiful. This is why you live in Houston for nights like this. 70 degrees, little breeze. No clouds in the sky at all. This is awesome. It's just awesome, awesome weather. So hopefully you guys are able to get out. I'm going to get out after the show's over and you know, hopefully go have a water somewhere, sit outside, maybe have a burger. I don't know. We'll figure all that out. But the topic du jour of this NFL draft, I'm sure he'd have a burger or three with me when he gets to Houston. And that's Georgia defensive tackle. Jordan Davis is out of Charlotte, North Carolina. He had everybody buzzing at the Combine, 6'6", 341, ran in the 4'8 range, agile, I mean, just a monster, and would love to see him in Houston. Well, D.P. City had a chance to put aside her Sauce Gardner crush for a little bit and talk to J.C. Shelton, who has covered Jordan Davis for a while, and gave D.P. the heads up on one of the best interior players we have seen in a long time in Jordan Davis.
2: We're continuing our NFL draft prospect series and joining me once again, JC Shelton, who covers the Georgia Bulldogs for the UGA wire. I told JC a few weeks ago, I was like, we're probably going to have you on multiple times because there are so many Georgia Bulldogs to talk about in this year's draft class, but Specifically, we're talking Jordan Davis. And first of all, welcome back, JC. I know it's not been a long time since we were talking Trayvon Walker, but I know Jordan Davis was a guy that you had said, everyone's been talking about him. So here we are, me and you talking about him. You know, your thoughts on just sort of the off season that he's had since the national championship game.
3: Yeah. So it's been a huge off season for him. I mean, between, you know, preparing for the combine, preparing for his future. And as a guy who's, you know, had first round grades since the first game of this season, um, and even some last year, and he you know chose to come back for his senior year and play and had a, had a great year. I mean, even since the end of that national championship and his offseason season from accepting awards, I know he just um, accepted the Chuck Venderek award last night, I believe. and, and you know, he's been you know, preparing and, and taking awards in almost on a weekly basis. So it's been, been a big, busy time for him. But I think he's performed well, obviously, at the Combine. And we'll get into that, as well as the Pro Day. So I think it's all around a good time for Jordan. And I know in interviews, he's been doing well. He's a great kid. So I think that's really is what's coming out now.
2: I'm glad you brought up the Combine, because, I mean, really, we, we could start there just with everyone from current NFL players to the rock and everyone in between tweeting about his 40 time, uh, 4.78 seconds, the fastest 40 time since NFL networks been in, in existence for a combined participant of 310 pounds or more. I know m- is maybe there's a lot to be made of the 40 time, especially for a defensive lineman, but you know, what were your thoughts on that? Just seeing him move the way he did. Did that surprise you at all? It seemed like it surprised him.
3: Yeah, no, it's incredible. And like you said, it surprised him. That's what he came out and said, that it was surprised him that he ran that fast. I know he was focusing on that as a part of his training down at Exos. I think he did a good job of getting these guys like Devontae White as well, another Georgia defensive tackle, getting those guys 40 down. Devontae beat him by a couple of a tenths of a second there. But yeah, Jordan Davis, when he he ran that first one, I think it was an unofficial 4-8 something. I remember texting a buddy who also covers Georgia football and i like, wow, did you see Jordan's time in like right. four eight, man, That's incredible. Right. And then we get the official and it's four, seven, eight. And I just couldn't believe it. Um, and then I, you know, jump on Twitter immediately and it's blowing up. You know, everybody's commenting. doesn't matter who it is. Movie stars, like you said, The Rock, when The Rock tweets about your 40, you've got <laughs> to feel great. I mean I can only imagine that for Jordan and I remember watching Jordan talk about it to the lady at the, at the combine who was you know had the stand up after with the board showing him his numbers and he was just saying how the rock was tweeting at him and he just I could see the shock on his face um so I don't I think he was truly surprised but that 478 should really tell you something I mean not only is it the you know the fastest from a guy 310 over he was 31 pounds over 310 and he's still running a 478 right. I think that's really solidified Maybe the ceiling for NFL teams, because we knew, you know, he's at 340, 6'6". He can take up double teams all day, right? In the run game, he's one of the best run stoppers in the SEC the last two seasons. We knew this coming in, right? But the questions were, were his pass rush. And a big part of that is, right, speed, agility. You know, his 478 just shows you, hey, he can take that leap as a pass rusher. And when he needs to, and he's been working on that specifically in his technique and getting that he's a young player still, so he can always improve on that. But, you know, even moving on to his broad jump, 10, three, that's the best by 340 plus pound in combine history by 15 inches. So that's, that's another, you know, Unbelievable. kind of, yeah, kind of a tell as in, you know, this is what he can do athletically and maybe turn into more of a pass rusher uh, when we get to the NFL and then 32 inch vertical tied for the best by 340 Plus in combine history. So really, like it's I think it was a hundred percentile grades for him in every area.
2: Yeah. And I don't know if a lot of people are talking about how much weight he had dropped. He dropped about 20 pounds. He said he was down to he officially weighed at 341. He said he played around 360 last year. And then he said he preferred playing at 340. That's a, that's a pretty stark difference from what he played at last year. And he had a really stellar season last year. How much does that surprise you that he wants to play a lighter weight? And and how do you think that might affect his game?
3: You know, I I really don't think it's a big surprise that he played a little bit better at three forty, just because we, you know, the speed is able to come out there. He's able to run a little bit better. So even, even in a pass rushing standpoint, beyond that, I mean, you're tracking, you're going across the field and we saw him run down running backs from across the field a couple of times one time he was clocked over 20 miles an hour and that was incredible as a 300 you know like you said three playing at around 350 during the season but we know he's I know for a fact he's been on a meal plan for the last two years to try to, try to keep his weight down and try to get it a lot of weight and see what he could play like um, but I think you know even this season we know that you know he was trying to play at a lighter weight to see what he can do and get his pass rush up for the NFL, like you wanted to show teams, hey, I can pass rush as well. I'm not just a guy who can take up double teams and stop the run, um, which, you know, obviously turned out well. But even at the, you know, the first part of the season, I want to say the majority of the season up to the SEC championship. He didn't have those QB hurries that you want to see from a pass rush standpoint. Right. He only had, you know, I think five games. He had one another game. He had two QB hurries. But then you get to the SEC championship. Alabama comes out and runs hurry up the majority of the game, which really gassed Georgia's defense, to be honest with you. I mean, the players talked about it. The coaches talked about it. They were not able to rotate. And that's what Georgia does. We were talking about it with Trayvon Walker, right? Right. They rotate Mm -hmm. guys in and out. That's what they do. So when Alabama had to force those guys to stay on the field, it kind of let these, uh, especially D tackles know, Devontae White, Jordan Davis, Trayvon, they're out of shape. And they didn't know because they weren't forced in that um, area by a team that season. But Alabama showed them. And then Michigan and Alabama the, in the playoffs, Jordan Davis you know, was dropping that weight. They really focused on the conditioning. He had three QB hurries versus Michigan, one of the best offensive lines in Big Ten. And then Alabama, another really talented offensive line, two QB hurries there. Um, so I think just him realizing that he could play at 340 was honestly one of the best things for him. And I think that really turned out at the the combine and the pro day, you could see the way he was getting his foot quickness down and just overall stride and and running those 40s so quickly.
2: Yeah. I mean, I just thought after the combine performance he had, he might just sort of sit back at pro day and not really have a lot to prove, but it seemed like he did have something to prove. He said he wanted to show off his pass rushing skills because he wasn't on the field a lot. It seemed like for those passing downs. How do you think he did in front of other teams and scouts? Lovey Smith was at Georgia's Pro Day as well. How do you think Jordan Davis came out of that?
3: Yeah, I've seen a few reports from scouts, and I think that it's overall uh, just they were surprised by the way he was able to move with quickness in these drills, in these pass rushing drills. And I know he's been w- working with a couple of pass rushing specialists since the, the, the end of the season, the national title. So he can only get better from here, right? Because we have the foundation of the athletic freak that we all seen uh, not only the combine and his pro day, he ran it both. He moved the drills that I think w- were really stood out to me was just the, the, the three cone. Um, and then also him, not only just a run stopper, right? You got to think, of, man, as a guy who's going to be a nose in 6'6", six, six, if you can, like we've seen it with Aaron Donald, a guy who can at D tackle rush the passer so effectively is huge for your defense. Because he can take up doubles and he can rush the passer. So I think that's what he wanted to show. Um, And that's what he's working with technique. And luckily, you know, Georgia, they give, they provide these guys with some of the best teaching and defensive fundamentals you can want, right? And I think that's what NFL teams know. And that's why there were 122 NFL personnel at this Georgia Pro Day, which Kirby Smart said was a Georgia record. And I think that's a big reason why is because these teams know that this Georgia defense and the coaches on this Georgia defense, the minds like Will Muschamp and Kirby Smart back there, they know what they're doing. And they're going to actually help these guys be better as pros. And I think that's what Jordan Davis is on the cusp of right now is 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 a day one starter in the NFL as a rookie.
2: Yeah, it seems like it would be hard for anybody to stand out on that Georgia defense. I mean, we've talked about how much talent they had, but for a guy like Jordan Davis, who – had four starts as a freshman to playing in the championship game. How did you see his role sort of grow over the course of his four-year career at Georgia? Yeah,
3: it was it's an incredible story, to be honest with you, because a three-star recruit, people forget that. Um, so humble beginnings for Jordan. Um, You're a three-star recruit coming into Georgia, a Georgia defense that's loaded year to year with four-star, five-star guys, blue-chip guys. Um, and he, from day one, I mean, he's a freshman All-American, you know, from day all, all SEC All-American as well. Um, so from day one, he was able to show that he could do this as a three-star recruit coming in. I think that one that shows you Georgia can develop like that, but also just the, the skill that Jordan Davis has and the athletic ability um, and just the mindset as well. Because you want a lot of NFL teams, we, we want to talk about you know, him as a person, his character, you know, how is he going to relate to the team, how is he going to grow as a pro. I can only think of good things from Jordan. You know, as a student at Georgia myself, when Jordan was, I actually had a few classes with Jordan. We were in a small class together. Oh, you did? Yeah. Yeah, I did. (laughs) What was he
2: like in the classroom?
3: He's funny. He's a funny dude. I'm not going to lie. Honestly, like what you see in the jokes he makes and interviews and he's very much himself and he's a glowing personality, very outgoing. um, He's always there for a laugh. I really I didn't see anything that would give me reservations. If I was a GM or if I'm a scout talking to him at all, I think he's very much genuine. So I really like that about Jordan. I think that's why he's so popular with not only his teammates and coaches, but really the fan base. Like, you know, I I don't think I've ever met anyone that doesn't like Jordan Davis. So he's very much himself. And I think that's only going to do great things for him moving forward.
2: I think another entertaining aspect of his game, other than his personality and everything else, was the fact that he's played on offense as well. So how does a guy that big lobby for himself to be put in the jumbo package in goal line situations?
3: Knowing Jordan, he just bugged the hell <laughs> out of all those offensive coaches. Todd Monkin, those guys. Uh, yeah, I can just see him now in practice, like, "Hey, coach, let me get let me get a run on that." Hey, coach, let me get a run on that. And We know that they had worked with him in practice all season on these goal line packages, um, but I, I think it shows another thing about you know Jordan's personality. is Coach Kirby Smart was like, "Hey, this guy's about to move on to the NFL as a senior." Um, you know, one of the guys who Kirby smart comes in in 2016, it's one of, you know, Jordan Davis is one of those key guys that he's brought, uh, you know, since his tenure. Um, and I think to give him that ball shows him a lot about, you know, just Jordan's personality. And then after that game, you know, we don't talk about, he went up and, and actually led the red coat band, George's band after that. <laughs> so yeah. And the band gave him his own, his own uniform. So oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. He's just a genuine guy. I think it's, I'm really happy for him that he's doing so great.
2: I saw an interview that said he, if he wasn't a football player, he'd be a DJ and he would name himself DJ Oreo because he likes to DJ and he likes Oreos. Yeah,
3: I could definitely see him as a DJ. That's his backup, I guess. Um, (laughs) The backup plan. You know, first round pick doesn't work out, then I guess that's what he's got to back up with.
2: All right. What about Georgia's pro day? I know last time I talked to you, we, we talked about all the different draft prospects that we should be looking at for Georgia, but now we actually got to see, get another look at them. Who did you think really stood out? Were there some guys that maybe didn't perform at the combine that really elevated their draft stock with pro day? You know, how did you think that went overall?
3: Now, I think it's a little weird just because of how well almost every guy did at the combine themselves, the Georgia guys, you know, I think Lewis seen really solidified himself as one of the top safeties at the combine and then kind of backed that up at Georgia's pro day. Uh, I think he ran well. I think his hips, he's very fluid in his breaks. And that's what was kind of a concern for him and safety is coverage skills is moving, getting out of breaks and stuff like that. I think the overall consensus there was that he looked great. So I think it's big for Lewis at safety. Now, Linebacker wise, Channing Tindall and Quay Walker, I think they continue to impress and really solidify those guys as just because we saw them flash at the combine and saw those athletic achievements, but to be, you know, put through drills at the pro day and more of a, you know, hands-on close up, the scouts are all around the field. They're really close up to those guys. I saw the, they had the benches, you know, about three feet from the drills. So I don't know how much pressure is involved in that for sure. those guys, but they did perform well. Now, the Kobe Dean, a guy won the buckets award for the best, linebacker last season one of the key one of my favorite players to watch i think we talked about him a little bit Mm -hmm. um, when we talked about trayvon but you know he's coming off a pectoral injury which is interesting to note just because you know he hasn't been able to bench obviously Um, he's held withheld himself out of drills and like the 40 at the combine Uh, but he he did run some stuff as far as drill wise with the linebackers at the pro day looked pretty good kind of looked a little rusty uh to me i think that was Said by a couple of other scouts I talked to, but the, the consistency is like the tape as far as tape from the Kobe Dean, it's incredible. And I'm with you there. I, I don't see I don't see any reservations as far as you know N'Kobe Dean's tape. I think he's still a first round pick. Other than that, I think I think the guys who performed really well at the combat like Devontae Wyatt, he was another standout. I think he even elevated just you know, because his quickness as a guy who's 303 is incredible. And I think you could see that, and that was evident in the drills. From the guys I was talking to that were even there hands-on, like really close, that there were a lot of wows in the crowd just because of Devontae White and his hip mobility.
0: Nothing but dudes down in Athens. And as Mark said earlier, draft one of them, at least one of them, on any offense, defense, I don't care. Just draft one of them and bring them to Houston. Man, that would be fun to see Jordan Davis here. Devontae White here, man. You pick it. All right, let's go around the NFL close this thing down next right here on Texas All-Access. Texas All-Access. Texas All-Access. we got one final segment of this edition of Texas All-Access. going to be a quickie, not too much time. We had a great time with Mark dissecting his Vandermock, number three overall, Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame, number 13. He said anybody from Georgia, and I said Jordan Davis because, A, I want Jordan Davis, but B, I also knew that we had DP City Joining the show with J.C. Shelton to talk about the big dog from out of Charlotte, North Carolina, Jordan Davis. Man, Kyle Hamilton at safety. You've got uh, Jordan Davis down the middle next to Malik Collins, Roy Lopez, Ross Blacklock. You've got Kamu Grugier-Hill, Christian Kirksey. You know, one thing Mark didn't draft that I remember was a linebacker. I think there's going to be a linebacker. Added. To the mix. Let's go around the NFL quickly. In Atlanta, Marcus Mariota, sign, sealed, and delivered. We'll see how that goes with Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith was there in Tennessee when Mariota was unceremoniously bounced for Ryan Tannehill, and that's when things turned around for the Tennessee Titans. So we'll see if Mariota has got anything left at all. The Panthers are going with Sam Darnold for now. But they've got their eyes. They're looking. They're flirting with a lot of different options at quarterback. And Trevor Simeon agrees to two-year deal with the Bears to see if he can beat out Justin Fields. No, just kidding. But he'll back up Justin Fields in Chicago. Big thanks to Mark, the DP, J.C. Shelton, my man Robert Harris on the ones and twos back in studio. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you on Monday. And as always, go Texans.